Hey, so we, we went to a pastor's conference. It was amazing. Tried skiing for a day. I can climb mountains. I cannot ski mountains. <laughs> Literally went to the beginner thing and smacked straight into the one rock wall that is there at the ski place. I mean, literally, ski popped off, everything. I said, well, I'm going to go hang out with Jaylee, and I will see you and Kat later. So, yeah. Tried to talk her. Let's just try no. it one more time. I'm going like, to, but no. my kid was already like, she was like, I do not like skiing. I like to play in snow. I like to eat snow, but I do not want to ski on it. Let's be honest. She used Jaylee as a scapegoat. It's fine. Okay. You promised me you weren't going to say <sighs> that. I'm kidding. <laughs> Therapy. I mean, let's no. call it what it is, right? <laughs> she was scared. She I hit a wall. I, yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> I mean, you just stood there. We would have won AGT I had mean, you videoed it. I mean, I did it. not know that you were going to put your skis on and just start. She just started going. I was like, I all right. I watched a video, so I thought I knew how to stop. It, they lied. I don't care how much you do this, you don't stop. Look, let me just teach you all a little bit about skiing. Pies, <laughs> the pie that everybody tells you about, yeah. it does not stop you. Yeah, no. It slows you down. No, it doesn't. But that's it. Doesn't well, do anything. <laughs> I mean, hers wasn't. It was a small slice of pie. Okay, it was like this. It wasn't a real wide one. It was awesome. Thank God I had a helmet because I mean I was. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. I know people were behind us going. Oh. I felt like a bad husband for a moment, and then I was like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my fault. I would have done everything I could have to it's protect right. you. We can just, but just go ahead and pray, and we'll get. Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Sorry. Let's pray. It's totally fine. Father, we thank you for another uh, week about marriage and uh, relationships, God. And Father, we just pray that your word, God, is uh, just powerful, Lord. It, it cuts between soul and spirit, God. It, it, it uh, never returns void. And so, Lord, we just release your word this morning, God. We pray that it would fall on our hearts, that it would change and transform the way that we perceive marriage, God. The way that we perceive relationships, God, and our roles in those in those. Uh, places in marriage, God. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, for uh, more than anything, God, that you would be glorified through every one of our relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's single, um, whether it's dating, God, that you would be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. And this was a couple of weeks ago. We were in praying this in the morning. We come in together and pray uh, before the main services happen. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me in the middle of that prayer circle and said, protect and preserve. And, and so I wrote it down, and then I, I began to marinate on it and think about it a little bit. And I talked with Alicia, and I said, I really feel like we need to talk a little bit about protecting and preserving our marriages. Uh, because I think a lot of times we think that I do, it protects us, and it doesn't. Because that's how, I mean, if you think about our, our marriage, you know, Alicia talked about the assignment of, of the enemy on marriages. That, I mean, the Christian world doesn't have any better statistic than the, than the, the actual lost world. They're, they're, okay, why? Why is it? I think it's because it's because of this. We have taken marriage and we've allowed the world to determine and to, to set the culture of, of marriage. Guys, we as a Christian body, we have to wake up. We have to say, okay, what does Jesus say about marriage? We have to protect it accordingly the way that Jesus designed it, right? And, and what we do is we set up guidelines and we set up different things and, and boundaries and, and, and things based on what the world. Well, this is what my coworker does with their marriage. So this is my standard for marriage. They don't believe in Jesus. And we're, we're getting our values and we're getting our protection and our, our, our view of marriage and how we're going to protect and preserve it based on our friends who don't serve Jesus. Right? And so I, I was thinking about that and this scripture popped into my, my heart. And it's, it's in um, um, Genesis chapter 12, and it starts in verse 11. And uh, 
we've, many of us have read this, and this is a guy who's now following God. Okay, this is a guy who loves Jesus, or loves God. Jesus isn't yet in the scene, but, but he loves God. And, and in verse 10, it says this. This is Abram. He hasn't quite become Abraham yet. So he's, this is Sarai, so because they haven't gotten Isaac yet. And it says this, at the time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. Okay, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, she had, let me just finish it, okay. Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Okay. Let's have a little chat. Let's have a family meeting. Do you know that there's a lot of me's and I's in that? You cannot protect your marriage as long as it's about me and I. Abraham was more worried about what they were going to do to him than what they were going to do to his wife. And I want you to understand that, check this out. Notice what, I saw this when I was reading it. At the time, a severe famine struck. Right? So what caused them to have to move out of comfort and move out of the, the place that they were in was a famine. Understand that protection is not needed when there is no famine. Protection is needed when you have to step outside of the boundaries of what's normal. If they would have had protection and, and preservation in their marriage before the famine, they would have never had the conversation about, hey, be my sister instead of my wife. Right? And, and so I think that we have to understand that right now we may be looking at our marriages that we're, maybe some of us are newly married and it's like, I mean, I mean, it's just like, it's great. It's a, we're living in honeymoon stages. I mean, we're married almost 12 years and we're living in honeymoon stages. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Right? I don't care if you're 45 years married. You could still be in a honeymoon stage. It's not about time. It's about intentionality. Right? It's about being intentional on your marriage. And, and this is the thing is that, that in this, that you have to protect and preserve before you get into the famine. You don't wait until you get into to trauma. Then you say, okay, okay, well, let's start setting up boundaries. Let's start setting up protection for our marriage, right? Had they had this conversation beforehand, I mean, Sarah, God bless her little heart. She is a sweet, sweet woman. She did, she's definitely not an eight. My wife would have been like, oh, heck no. I am not your sister. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't all understand that. I'm, I am married to a very strong woman. Some of you are not, 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 and I don't mean that you're weak, but I'm saying you would be much more passive as a wife. She's passive. Okay? And so what you have to do, if you have a passive wife, you even need more protection for your marriage. Because my wife will stand up against me. She will stand up and tell me, no, 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 you are my husband, and you're going to go into Egypt, and you're going to let him know, hey... You know what I'm saying? But some of the passive people in the room are going to be much more apt to become fall prey to whatever the level of protection that the husband has. It's because right? people are reactive instead of proactive. That's right. And that's, and that's why on. when we do marriage counseling, well, how do we get in this situation? Because you never talked about this stuff ahead of time. You didn't talk about that you don't get to talk to the same-sex co-worker and get a uh, really close relationship with them because that's what you need or that's what you want. That's not okay. 
you know, I, I, when we were youth pastors, I would tell even our youth kids, and, and, and once they'd get to a certain age, they want to start dating, I'm like, you have eight guy best friends. What guy could ever come in between this? So you have to understand your relationships will change when you start into dating relationship. The problem is the world has a show called The Bachelor and going on an island, and it's like we're going to see if if I have the opportunity to cheat on you, I will, and then if I can and it works out, then I'm going to do that. And so that's what the world is showing us. So it's creating culture when we're supposed to define culture. You know, Christianity is supposed to define culture, except culture is defining Christianity now. Oh, you got to make everybody feel good coming to church. Yes, he's a good God, but you're going to be on a fight on Monday against Satan himself. And if I don't give you the material or the knowledge or some wisdom how to fight, you're just coming to a church and you're going, well, it feels good, but I don't know anything else beyond that. I don't know how to fight. And we have to teach you how to fight because you're fighting for your marriages, you're fighting to marry the right people, and you're fighting for your families. We're just a tad passionate about yes, marriage. very. Okay? And I think it's because we have to be. Us as believers, we have to rise up and say, I'm going to protect my marriage. I am going to do some things that are different, and I'm going to be looked at a little weird. I'm going to be looked at whatever. But you know, when you're married 45 years from now, you'll be thankful that you set up some protection. Yeah. Right? So let's go into this just a tad deeper. So if you will, go with me to Genesis chapter 20. So now we've gone from 12, and he's already, he's already gave his wife away to this guy, and he luckily did not sleep with her only because God was protecting her. He was not protecting her. And so now we get into verse 20, and this is what it says. Abraham moved south to Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gerar, cool cities, while living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. Dear Lord, <laughs> twice? Okay. So King Amalekah of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. I want you to know, this king was not just wanting to be friends with her. Okay. But that night, God came to him in a dream and told him, you are a dead man. For that woman you have taken is already married. Where is Abraham? Why is God having to defend, to, to defend Sarah? Why? Because her husband isn't. And I think it's really scary when, we are, when, when you as a woman or as a husband are having to have God protect you when your own spouse is unwilling to. So, so here it is. Here's the, here's the big deal about this story. So now he, he, this king is asking for this woman, okay? He's asking her to come to the palace, and if you can read between the lines, okay? He doesn't want to befriending you. He was wanting to, hey, how you doing? You're my wife. Let's uh, have a chat. Netflix and chill. Okay, that's what he's wanting to do. And God comes in and rescues her. This is the powerful point. God had given Abraham and, and, and Sarah a promise. That they were going to have a child. And that out of that child, the nations would be formed. Do you know what this is? This is the eve of the conception of Isaac. Do you get what I'm saying? So here's the point. Here's the thing I want you to understand. What we fail to protect will rob us from the promises God wants for our marriage. There was a promise that God had for their marriage, and had God not stepped in and protected it, 
She could have been carrying another man's baby. The very promise that God wanted to do in their life came because God was willing to step in and protect something. And the next, the next time that Sarah and Abraham had intimacy, Isaac was conceived. And this is the thing is that there are promises that God wants to do in our marriages. But we have to protect them so that God's promises can come to pass. God wants to do things in our marriage. He wants to do things through our relationship. But we have to protect it at the same value, at the same face value that God is wanting to protect it. Amen? And this is the scary thing is that what, had, what would have happened had God not stepped in and intervened and protected where Abraham should have? I mean, two times Abraham, and just to go a little deeper legacy-wise, Isaac does the same thing with his wife. Isaac says, oh, he didn't see his dad do that, but because of his dad unwilling to protect and to deal with and confront, let's say addiction, alcoholism, perversion, whatever it may be, what you and I are unwilling to protect, it leaks down into the legacy underneath us, and now Isaac becomes susceptible to a fear that Abraham was unwilling to protect and confront when he was older. I'm preaching way better than y'all are amening. And I'll tell you how vitally important it is. We both come from broken families. We both come for where there was divorce. And I'm going to tell you, God can do incredible things through horrific situations. But I'll tell you something that my parents, when they married when I was five years old, began to do. They began to pray over us against the spirit of divorce. They begin to break that. It's not just something to talk about it to say, I hope this doesn't happen to you. I hope. No, you intercede and pray and break that generational curse yeah. off of your family. Absolutely. You break it by staying in. You break it by, listen, it, it is a, for us, marriage is a door without an exit. So there are no options. There, there, there are no options. Do you get what I'm saying? It is a door without an exit. But this day and age, it is when you're tired, it's okay. Because we practice that in dating. We practice these kind of things that we do not look at it and say, okay, God, I want to honor in this moment. I want to honor what you're doing in this moment. And you have to be very careful to make sure you're praying against the things that have been in your family. If it was alcoholism, if it was divorce, if it was anger, if it was abuse, you can't just will it away. See, we think if I'm strong enough, it won't happen. No, it's there because as we can see it through the word of God, it follows them everywhere they go. Yeah, amen. What, what I love about this whole story is it shows that, that, look, protection stands up. Protection has to stand up for the covenant. Like, that's what marriage is. It's about standing up for the covenant in the midst of conflict and adversity. When conflict and adversity came into the situation, like he was all about his wife. Until conflict and adversity came. And then it was like, hey, you want to be my sister? And a lot of times we're great with our spouses. We're great with everything until conflict and adversity comes into our marriages. Like I, will, like I, can, I can yell at you, but if someone else yells at you, I'm going to come in between them. It's like, where's the protection for me to not yell at you? Where's the protection for me to not do certain things? And it's amazing what we will do to our spouse, but yet we won't let somebody else do to them. Because there's no protection, there's no, there's no preservation between the marriage. And, and I want you to understand that conflict and adversity will come in a marriage. So what are you doing to protect and set up guidelines, to set up things to protect your marriage from being everything that God wants it to be? Right? Like, like 
uh, Abraham was not protecting the togetherness. He was all about protecting individuality. Like, they, they became not married in the moment of adversity. Right? And I think that we have to understand that protection is, is protecting the togetherness. Like, my I do. I am protecting no matter what. I'm, I'm making sure that we're all right. When we're in an argument, when we're in a disagreement, when something happens like that, it's not like I'm just going to, I'm doing, okay, well, I realize that we're in, in, a, in a disagreement. What are we going to have to do to work this through? And for all of us, that looks different. I mean, we all deal with conflict differently. We all handle it differently. We've got, you know, all types of people and personalities in here. But the point is, is this, is not to use your personality as an excuse to stay in or stay out of something. And we, and, and honestly, and we're going to be hit 12 years of marriage in September. We have I love never, you. I adore you to pieces. You're the hottest thing ever. Um, Thank you. That we have never allowed, we've never been one of those couples that was like, oh, we didn't talk for two days. That's like never happened. We, we will talk for four to six hours till it's finished. Now, at some point, there's one of us that's done talking, but the other one just keeps following that one. We had a house that literally Brian climbed the wall to get to the bathroom where I had locked myself in saying I was done talking, and he climbed the wall, and he was like, I will climb any wall to get to you. I couldn't even be mad anymore because it was hysterical because I could hear this, and I thought, what is happening? And all of a sudden, there he is up, up in there, and he was like, I'm doing this for you, and I was like, Okay, so I couldn't, but that's what I'm telling you, like that's we, right. that was a, that was a boundary we set up from the very beginning that we would not do that. In intimacy, I have never in almost 12 years of marriage ever said no. Come on, somebody. Ever. And that was another, but now my husband is smart enough if I have the flu or if I'm sick, he's well, not saying, I, hey girl, no. you know, you know, I mean, understand, you know, he's not like that. He's understanding, but again, that was something we set up. Why? That we were going to understand when the Bible says that your body does not belong to yourself. We took all those scriptures seriously. We took all that to know that your needs, my needs matter. So I just wanted to insert that, that there are things, even if you've done it wrong, you can correct it now. Where you decide we're not going to do that anymore, where we are silent with each other for three days and the kids know something's wrong. Because what you don't understand is what's happening to your kids is their mind is going, my parents are getting a divorce. They'll never say it to you, but that's what they're thinking because kids go to worst case scenario. So you're actually creating trauma in the home that are going to be triggers for them when they're adults. Yeah, so, so protection, what is protection like? I think you have to understand that we talked about this a couple weeks ago on vision. And that a vision in, in essence is purpose. So, so what was purpose? The purpose of Abraham and Sarah's marriage was to populate the world. Like that's what God, he said, I am going to, there you are going to have descendants as the seashore, the sand on the seashore. So that was their purpose. Why would you then, if that is your purpose, give your wife away because you've lost sight of your purpose? They lost sight of their purpose. So in doing that, when he lost sight of, hey, we're supposed, if she's with another man, I cannot fulfill my purpose with her. And so many times we forget the purpose of why we said I do. And we need to be reminded of our purpose. Because that is what causes protection. And, And I wrote down some things, like how do we protect our marriages? First of all, we pray together. We be intentional about prayer. We, you know, Alicia talked about it last week, that a marriage that, that prays together has a 1% chance of divorce rate. A marriage, I mean, dude, just pray with your wife. I don't know how to pray. Dear Lord, I don't know how to pray, but I'm coming to you to pray for my, like, say it. <laughs> you just start praying. 
dear Lord, I'm scared. I mean, whatever comes out, and you can work out the you can work out the stuff later. But but prayer is a huge thing. How do you protect communication? I mean, being intentional on communication. There's there's so many different things that we could do to protect our marriages. Got anything else? Okay, good. So so in in this, I was thinking about uh, this whole conversation that happens through the scripture and how Abraham just gives his wife away. Had they had boundaries set up before prior to the famine, prior to the situation, there would have been a conversation that said, hey, that's beyond our boundary. Like, we, we don't ever do that. And a lot of times, well, I want to ask you for your marriage, what kind of boundaries do you have? Like, what kind of boundaries do you have set up in your marriage that you have to protect and preserve your marriage? Like, in, in America, we have a, something called the military, the military, what is they, whenever they sign on to the military, they have to do an oath. And it says, my oath is to protect and preserve the Constitution of the United States. You said, you, you have a Constitution. It is a co- it's a covenant that you made. And it is, you, are, you have to be militant in protecting your, your covenant with your spouse and with God. You have to be intentional. I will protect and I will preserve this covenant. But what boundaries do you have to protect? Like ours, if, if a plane flies over the United States Air Force, I mean over the airline, and they come in, guess what? That plane goes down. Because that is a boundary that no other country is allowed to cross for our protection, right? My question is, what can cross your boundaries? What can cross in your life, into your world, before it's like, oh, no, we're going to shoot that thing down? And a lot of us, we live aimlessly married, and it's like, well, oh, I didn't mean you're not supposed to be... And it's like, we haven't even had a conversation. What are some boundaries? You need to have conversations about, okay, okay, we need to set up some boundaries. We need to set up some guidelines of some different things to protect our marriage from, uh, understand boundaries are to keep people from coming in. I think of it as this way. Let me say this. Let me do this. this. The point here is boundaries keep us from some things, but they also keep some things from us. Right? you got to understand, boundaries aren't just about us keeping, thing, keeping things from, you know, us like we're being restricted. It's also protecting us from other things. And that is why I set up boundaries. That's why she set up boundaries in our lives so that we could be like, I want to protect things that are trying to come against our marriage. 95% of the things that happen in a marriage is something that's coming at it. It's not something that you're doing if you have boundaries. And we've set those up to protect, like on social media, Brian will not answer a woman if they send a direct message. If they do it, he will not. He'll hand me the phone, and most of the time I just delete it because, I mean, there's no re. But that's how we've done it. We've set up boundaries where there's no communication like that because we're not opening the door. He doesn't need a praise from another woman. I'm going to give him all the praise and adoration he needs for the gift that's inside of him. He doesn't need somebody else to tell him he needs me. Doesn't mean somebody can't say, hey, great sermon, da da da, but they're not going to be the main voice that he needs to hear to be who God's called him to be. Right. It's the same thing when we first got married, I had a guy email your voice and the way you sing and da da da, and it was immediately Brian just answered him, hey, this is Alicia's husband, and I appreciate what you see in her, but understand she only needs this kind of affirmation from me. So believe me, we, we, we will offend people to protect our marriage. There was one time somebody texted him. And it was a woman, and he said, hey, listen, if you have a question that has to do with church stuff, please text my wife because I do not text women at the church. And you know what? If they get offended, their heart was in the wrong place anyways. You get what I'm saying? Like, they're like, oh, my God, you're being so over blah, blah, blah. No, what he's doing is he's protecting. 
Because one day it'll be the wrong text. One day it'll be the wrong thing. And, and you have to be prepared for that. And you also have to know that you're, that's why you're setting up guidelines. It's like when we meet with people pre-marriage, they have, there's no guidelines. They've not even thought about it. And I'm going, you're going to go into this aimlessly, not even knowing what are you setting up to know now I'm going to protect and I remember one of our couples, I love them, and he said, you know what, I used to, um, there's sometimes co-workers ride together, but now that I'm engaged, I'm realizing I don't want to do that anymore because I'm, you know, getting ready to set up in marriage, and I want to put that boundary in place now. Well, that made that woman feel very safe because he decided. You know, when we were dating, Brian called me, and he's like, I went to the store with a friend of mine, da-da-da, and I was like, she's a girl. And he's like, no, I know, we've been friends. And I was like, well, because we're like, and he was like, I didn't even think of it. I get that now. I totally understand. And it was like, why? Because we, we were, I, I was letting my expectations be known firsthand. That for me, I, I'm not, I, God is a jealous God, and that's why he doesn't want to share with other gods or other idols, other things. You need to be a jealous spouse in the way where you're protecting your marriage, not if your husband looks across the room and you go, my God, you're such a pervert. What's wrong with you? That's not what I mean. Okay, I mean, men will, yeah, I mean, you understand what I'm saying, but I don't get offended when my husband comes to me and says, hey, can you make sure this magazine doesn't come to our house anymore? Because every time I go to the mailbox, it's in there. Victoria like, doesn't have any more secrets. Yes, folks. and I'm She's like, yeah, no problem. I apologize. Yeah. He's like, it's never when you get the mail. What is he doing? He's being honest. Now, if I got offended and be like, I should be the most beautiful woman, da, da, da. Hello, okay? You know, there are things out there, okay? And I know I'm not the most, but I am to you him are. because he protects it. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. So there are boundaries you have to set up and be okay to talk about those boundaries. Don't just say, I think we'll figure it out. You will not. You will find Absolutely. yourself in an explosion and you won't know how to put the pieces back together. So some boundaries, things that I was thinking about in my own personal life. And look, I want to be transparent with my own, with my own boundaries because I'm not going to put my boundaries on you and I wouldn't want your boundaries on me. But the one thing I remember when me and Alicia, we just got married and she was into this show and this show was like out on the beach or whatever, and it was always like girls and guys, and the girls were always in bikinis. And and I thought nothing of it because I mean I don't. And I don't remember I'm going to go ahead wears. and be honest. I could have easily just enjoyed the show and said like, she likes it, so I'm just going to watch it with her. <laughs> I mean, geez. And I got honest with her and I said, look, I'm just going to let you know that I can tell you every bathing suit color. I can tell you the designs. I can tell you all about them. And it's still to this day I can tell you it was blue. It's white stripes. <laughs> And why? Because if we're honest, men, you take pictures. And some of our wives, they don't really think, they don't realize, they don't look at a girl and, and like, like we Or a guy in a bathing suit, I don't remember. I'm like, yeah, and so, it's you. Yeah, right, 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 right. And, and this is the thing is that a boundary had to be set up, but it had to come from me. I had to let her know, hey, um, if you don't want me lusting after these girls, then you probably don't want to watch this show. Because I'm really not wanting to lust, but when I see it, my eyes are trying to be like, hey, and they're taking pictures. And so what I'm saying is this, is that as a guy, it's helpful to let them know the boundaries. She didn't know. She was like, I didn't know that that was even a thing for you. And I was like, yeah. So moving forward, now anytime there's anything that comes up, she's protected me for the last 11 and a half years with shows that may have unnecessary stuff in it. So now I've set up a boundary, but because I set it up now, she protects me from things that I didn't even know were possible because I didn't even know that was in the show. Do you know what I'm saying? But you have to be honest with your own issues. You have to be honest and say, I mean, you could be the guy and go ahead and just watch the show, 
But you, there's a consequence that could lead into things. That well, it are goes back to that, that thing that some things you're allowing in. Right. Like you said, and I think that's what happens. I mean, I'll never forget for years I would see people post on Facebook, me and my husband just watched the Victoria's Secret. And I'm like, seriously? You like let your husband sit he there and like, watch okay, it? I mean, that I is like. I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, hello, they're not watching it for the commentary. Okay? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. And I thought, man, that's so sad because I think we think if I'm a man of God, if I'm spiritual enough, that stuff won't bother me. Wake up. I mean, there is an enemy who is real and he is looking for ways to take you out and to create problems. And I want to protect him. I don't want to go, well, you should pray harder then so we can watch this show. No, I go, absolutely. I'm so sorry. I didn't even think of that. And now even when I remember dancing with the stars, there, there are sometimes they're dancing and it's not with stars. And it's like, wow, you know. And I, I just remember Falling thinking. stars. Yeah, something. And I'm just like. Okay, I guess, you know, and then when it's the really older people dancing, oh, we could watch this one. So there were just times I finally, but it started just to get, I was like, we're just not going to watch this anymore. I'm sorry. Like, I, I can't find it. That's pretty impressive what they yeah. can do. Yeah, I'm like, we just can't find it. So that's what I do. If we watch, you know, America's Got Talent, some of the talent we don't want to see. You know what I mean? The world shouldn't be seeing it, but that's okay. We just fast forward that one and go through the cute little kid that's singing, and it's amazing. You know, so you just, you choose your battles, okay? Right. You know, so, so boundaries, when we, a lot of us, when we hear boundaries, this is what we hear. Control. You're going to control me. Here's the difference. Here's the difference between boundaries and control. Boundaries, you have the freedom to cross. You can cross them if you want. Control doesn't let you cross them. Boundaries say, hey, this is the thing I set up. You can give me away to the other guy if you want, but there's going to be a consequence. See, what boundaries do is on the other side of this, there's this line. If I go across this, I fall. That I can cross it if I want. That's a boundary line. Like right now, that is, I am, I am, I am above gravity. I am, I am okay. The moment I cross the boundary, gravity takes over. I can cross it, and when I cross it, the consequences, I fall. Right? And so I want you to understand, I don't want you to hear boundaries and think control. I want you to think comfort, care, protection. Because this is what a lot of times we do is we think we start calling and claiming, you're controlling me. Control doesn't let you cross something. Control is like this fence that's here, and it goes all the way up to the sky, and it's like, that's control. It doesn't allow me to fall if I want. Boundaries say, look, you can cross this, but there may be a consequence that, that causes some major damage. And when I, thought, when I thought about this, I started thinking about, you know, when you buy a house in a subdivision, right, you can get a fence or you can opt out to not get a fence, Right? But the people next to you, if they've chosen to get a fence, that means at least on this side you have a fence. And if you buy between two people, then you've got their fence and that fence, but the back is wide open. And this is what I'm saying is a lot of us have boundaries by default. We have boundaries because of everybody else's boundaries, but we don't have our own. So the backyard is wide open for whatever else we want, but we don't want to pay the price to put the back fence up. Come on, somebody. We, we're like, oh, yeah, I've got boundaries. You've got boundaries by default because everybody else has boundaries. If you were to walk into a room and be with a bunch, a bunch of married people who don't have boundaries, how easy would it be for them to come in and have an affair, talk to you emotionally wrong, or to be able to do certain things? Because in a subdivision, every individual home has to purchase a certain aspect of a fence to be able to have the boundary line, Right? And so many of us think of it as control, and it's not control. It's that I want to let the dog out and just be able to run, and I don't want to have to chase that out in the field because I don't have a back fence. 
Like, you can pay the price to put the fence up and let your dog run free. Did you hear what I said, the word free? There is freedom in boundaries. And a lot of times we think it's control. We think it's like, oh, yeah, you may have to pay for the back fence, but by my gosh, it's going to be so much nicer whenever you want to let your dog out to run around. You don't have to run back out and check it and run back out and check it. That's what we're doing with our spouses a lot of times. If you don't have boundaries, you're checking their phone. You're checking their Instagram. You're checking their Snapchat. You're checking this. You're checking their Facebook. You're running back and forth, checking and checking and checking because you haven't set up boundaries. And we exhaust ourselves checking up on our spouse if we would just set up boundaries and say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do as a couple. Which you can, right? Which you can check up. I'm allowed to look at your phone. Absolutely. But you know what? Because we have boundaries, I don't fear that. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So I, I'm going to give you some practical things because I, I, I want to break some things down because I think you have to do natural things in order to engage the supernatural. And what I mean by that is, for instance, when David, you know, we always hear about him fighting Goliath. He was really going there to bring them bread and cheese. He was doing a very natural thing. You know, not, not, I mean, his dad's like, you know, the dude gets prayed over. Hey, you're going to be king. And it's like, hey, you go back to the fields. Like they completely... Did not even acknowledge what happened. And then the next day, not, hey, since you had that prayed over you, maybe you're ready for battle. It's like, hey, can you bring your brothers some bread and cheese? And he engaged in the natural things because why he was used to doing those things. And then because of his consistency in the natural, the supernatural took over. Being married and staying married is a very supernatural act. When two become one, where you begin to, if, if I tell him that somebody makes me uncomfortable, that's all I have to say. If I tell him that there's a woman that I don't, I'm not very comfortable with how I, her vibe, that's all I have to say. And he doesn't argue with me. He doesn't question me. He doesn't say, are you trying to be my mother? Because that's something we hear in counseling. No, she's not trying to be your mother. She's actually trying to be your wife and protect from another woman trying to get something from you that belongs to her. And you might be feeling that it's that way, but that's not what it is. Well, how do you work on those things? The very first thing is daily dialogue. And I'm going to have them up on the screen so that you can see them, take a picture of it, print it off, whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. Daily dialogue is this. It's every day we take 15 to 20 minutes to talk about our day. No phones, what's going on, because certain days can get a lot busier than others. And you don't want to go to bed at night and not have any conversation about anything. Um. And Solomon, I'm going to give you scripture reference for all these. Solomon's 2, 3 says, And as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow and his fruit and was sweet to my taste, that listening to him, being with him, all about that was amazing. I can have so much confusion, so much chaos, so much busyness, but when I stop at the end of the day to have daily dialogue with the person that I'm doing life with, there's something that I can go to bed with peace. If there was something that was bothering me all day, the days that he studies, I don't need to call him to tell him everything that's happening. I wait till we're going to have this time and I can say, hey, this was a situation or this is something I'm dealing with or, you know, this hurt my feelings or because we have a lot of feelings, you know, as women. So, Also, the other one is I call them monthly motivators. These are date nights. Um, some people can do them weekly. Some people can do them biweekly. I'm going to tell you a minimum of once a month you need to have an actual date night. You have to invest in that. Do not tell me you don't have money for a babysitter when Starbucks has you paying five sixty-five for a wet bean, okay? I mean, understand, they have done a good job. You get what I'm saying? They have done a phenomenal job, and they will keep raising the prices, and people will keep paying for them because they, they, they knew what to do. 
Um, so in Solomon 2.10 says, My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away with me. Come with me where we can just be together, shut out the noise, shut out everything else, and just be together. And you have to have those things. These are natural things, but they're very supernatural. Annual adoration. These are vision retreats. These are where you go away once a year for either a day, two days, or eight to 12 hours. Whatever works for you, you have to find a way. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to share something as we close. Song of Solomon 7, 11 through 12 says this, Come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. Let us go in, in an adventure. Let us go see. Let us talk about. Let us see nature, all this kind of stuff. Most of the jobs that you guys work for, you have, you understand their motto, their mission statement, their vision. And yet we are running our families aimlessly with nothing. We have no vision. And I'm, I'm telling you, we're nerdy. We're coming up with a mission statement. We're going to make a creed. Like, we're nerding this whole thing out. Because I'm like, this is cool. I want my kids from 20 years from now to know this was what our family's motto was. This is what we wanted to live by. And yet you'll have one for your job. You know exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Or, or it's your own business. You know exactly. You would not start a business without a mission statement, and yet we have families that don't have a mission. There's no vision. At the end of the day, what do you want to see in your kids? What do you want to see in this? And single people, you have to have a vision even for yourself. You have to know what is it this year because you can't aimlessly go to hopefully find someone. That's not a vision. That's a desire. You have to have a vision of what this year is going to look like. Well, here are some goals I want. Here are some desires of mine that I want to see fulfilled. You know, I, I want to read something, and I want to read it correctly. Um, in our bathroom, we actually have um, a statement for us that is that is vital for what we feel like God has called us to do, and it's huge on the wall in our bathroom. It's the first thing we see every morning. The Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Isaiah 54, that's our heart. That is a part of what we believe our mission is because people are, are daily needing something. People are daily wanting something or as we're pastoring. So God, awaken my ear to comfort the weary. What are you saying, not what I think? And I think so many times we can look at everything that's wrong in our marriage instead of what's actually right. And start to grow on the parts that are right. Say, okay, we've got this down. In our families, we have this down. We're really good at this, but what does this look like? What does family night look like? You know, my family decided we needed a family night when I kept leaving on Friday nights to go hang out at my friend's house for their family night. My mom was like, I mean, you keep leaving. And I'm like, it's so much fun. We play games. She's like, hey, guess what? We're having family night next Friday. I was like, what are we doing? We're playing Pictionary. We're playing Pictionary with a Greek man. was awesome. So... I mean, it was great, and um, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it was fun, but what happened? She saw a need and started to see, wow, this is vital to you. This is important. Let's do this. So we understood even before we had kids, we had a mission, but now we're even getting more intent because I want our daughter and, and our kids to know what our mission is. You have to have a mission for your family. You have to have a mission for your life. The Bible says without a vision, people perish. And we hear that and we think that means for churches or for ministries. That's for anybody. Without a vision, you perish. Without a vision, you're just aimlessly, you know, kind of looking at stuff and thinking, I can go this way, I can go this way. And all of a sudden, you're not hitting a target because no one knows what the target is. When we ask married couples, man, what is, what is your purpose together? And they just blankly stare at you. 
you realize, wow, no one has helped you see what it is, that it's to fulfill the purpose. Well, what do you feel like your wife's purpose is? It's not just to work a nine-to-five job. When we get to heaven, we don't get to be told, well done, thy good and faithful servant, because we, we took a company somewhere. God's going to say, who did you touch? Who did you reach? Who did you love on? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you feed me when I was hungry? That's what he's going to ask. And we're building so much, so much that's not for the kingdom. But I think it's because we don't understand our own mission, our own vision. You guys can stand um, as we close. I want to say this. And I want to stay seated just for a moment because I want to, I want to share something. You guys can stand. You can stand. Yeah, you can stand. I mean, okay, you can stand. <laughs> Do as the pastor does, right? I want you to not be overwhelmed when you hear this sermon and to think that you're failing. What I want you to do is to say, hey, those are some things that I can take, and those are some tools that I can go buy. Like right now, if I look at somebody's shop, and I'm like I'm seeing what they're doing with their shop and what they're building within their shop, I don't get discouraged. I say, oh, wow, that's a tool I can buy. That's a tool I can purchase. I want you to know that, that don't be discouraged at what maybe your marriage isn't. Be encouraged of what your marriage can be. And be, be encouraged to know that, look, maybe it's not where it's at, but it, I know it can get I, can, I know it can get healthier. I know it can get stronger. I know we can get better. And that's the pursuit we go after, is, is being intentional about where we want to see our marriage. And, and as, I was, as we close, you know, I was thinking about this scripture where Jesus, we, we compare our marriages to Jesus giving his life for the church. The Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for the church. That church is his bride. And I want you to understand that that we see Abraham, and he does the very opposite of what Jesus did. That it is my job, it is our role to, to give our lives as husbands and to lay down our lives for our spouses. To lay down our own needs, to lay down our own desires for the sake of our marriage. And I just want to encourage you that men, don't leave this up to your wife to ask you what are some boundaries you need to set. Take the role and say, look, I'm going to lead this thing. I don't know exactly how to do it, but I know that I am Christ, and Christ is in me, so therefore I have some wisdom that he's going to give me. And know that you go into that saying, okay, God, I'm going to submit my life to you, right? And as I do that, God, you're going to give me the wisdom of heaven for my marriage. And I just want to encourage you as men to take the responsibility, to take the initiative, to say, okay, I'm going to set up some protection. I want to get her input. Put where does she, Where does she feel unsafe? Where do you feel our kids are unsafe? Where do you feel? And as you guys have this dialogue and this conversation, you begin to set up some things that help protect it, right? Build some fences. Don't let your marriage be protected by everybody else's boundaries. You set some of your your own. Amen? Amen. I got a preacher in the house. (laughs) If you would bow your heads with me, I just want to pray over your marriages. I want to pray over whether you're single whether you're engaged, whether you're dating, wherever you're at in your world. Father, I pray and I lift up, God, every single life, every single heart this morning. And God, I pray for your presence, God. I thank you for for everything that we heard this morning, God, that as we heard the story of Abraham, God, handing over his wife. God, I pray that that you would set up safeguards within our hearts, God, that we would desire to protect and preserve our marriages, Lord, our 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 hearts, our emotions, all of the different aspects of who we are. This morning, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to know that this is the God that wants to come into your heart, that he would lay his life down. 
that he would come and he would do everything he can to rescue you. This is who you're saying yes to. And this morning, I want you to know that Jesus truly loves you and he wants, he wants to be able to be the Savior within your heart and within your life. And if that's you this morning, you say, I want to I commit my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. I've maybe prayed the prayer, but it hasn't been, it hasn't been a lifestyle change. It's just been a prayer. But this morning, I want to make it real. If that's you this morning, if you would, just slip your hand up this morning and say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to him. Thank you for that hand. That's amazing. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning? Thank you for that hand. Come on, this is what it's all about. This is the Jesus that loves you and is willing to lay down his life for you. That he anticipates knowing you, loving on you. If you would pray this prayer with me this morning, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for those sins, that he rose again on the third day to become my redeemer. So I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. God, awaken my purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know that if you raised your hand, we have a book for you. We want to help walk you through your journey with Jesus. That you are not just a number here, that you just become a number and say, like, okay, we've got two more. You are valued in heaven. And I want you to know that, that God loves you and he is for you and he is going to reveal his destiny for your life. Amen. Amen.